Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Sarah DeFores. And I'm Victoria Banks. This is The Table, a podcast by and about women in the entertainment industry. Welcome to our special season two recap episode. So pull up a chair and get nice and comfy because everyone deserves a seat at The The Table. Table. Do what you want, work what you got, say what you think and don't let them stop you. Stop you, don't don't let them stop. Stop you, don't don't let them stop you. We have made it, guys. Today is the season two recap episode. We are so excited because this is the first recap episode that we've done in real time. And man, is there a lot to unpack (laughs) (laughs) and a lot to even just talk about that happened in real time or right after we recorded these episodes. This year has moved so incredibly fast, especially for Nashville, especially for the entertainment industry. And we really appreciate and thank you for following along with us and listening to these episodes. Um, Everyone who's reached out and shared and listened, we couldn't be more thankful for you. Um, Let's get into it. Yeah. All right. So, Victoria, off the cuff thoughts, because we didn't, we prepared for this, but we didn't, we never write a script. We, we figured like to we'd do just it. talk. Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> like to do it like a conversation. We are not a fan of scripting yeah. out episodes. So, yeah. first thoughts for you as a whole, what were the things that really stuck out for you, or what were things that you're like, ooh, I, I need to talk about this? Well, so. A couple things. One thing was how much things change so quickly. What you just said, the fact that we recorded a lot of these episodes in the fall and then we released them this spring and it, you know, you're listening through and you're like, "Oh gosh, I remember how that felt." But now that we're in the stage of of COVID that we're in with people getting vaccinated and starting to come out into the world, it's almost like given us a new set of challenges and a new set of emotions around the whole thing. And uh, so that was that was interesting thinking about that. And also the the really sort of widespread awakening that we have had over the past year when it comes to uh, BIPOC artists, people of color, um, the whole the conversation that we had with Jada Watson about oh, that that coincided with yes. our Grammy uh, with the Grammys, and um, just watching people become more aware of the specific challenges that face that subgroup of entertainers and women. So that's something that was awakening to us because, you know, we're, we're so used to thinking, okay, here we are, women, we'll talk about women in this yeah. one broad category. And then as we begin to began to examine that, we talked to each other and we were like, we really feel like we need to recognize that there is a whole other set of challenges and steeper hills to climb for Mm -hmm. people that fall into that category of BIPOC female entertainers. So um, I'm glad that we talked about that and I wanna keep that dialogue going for sure. What what about you, Sarah? Me too, those were, were some of my big moments too. And we've talked about this behind the scenes, but just to let our listeners know, we're gonna change the way that we release episodes a little bit. So it's not gonna be um, a season and then release. We're gonna kind of release as we record um, in in a schedule, but a, a little more on the fly. So there might be a little more time in between episodes. Um, we will, of course, keep you updated on that. But a big part of that is staying as up-to-date as possible and also having diversity in our people at our table. And um, to the BIPOC artists as well, we're hoping, I know Jada and some other people are doing some wonderful research on LGBTQIA plus artists Mm -hmm. and creators and all of that, um, that should be releasing soon or at least starting to kind of come out into the world soon. And so we will be doing some episodes on those things later. Um, But one of the biggest things for me was um, just making sure that we have as much diversity as possible. Because even though we both come from music, we want this to be a space for entertainment period. It's probably going to be a little more musical. um, But I think you're right that 
for me was one of my favorite episodes because it was the episode that was recorded just a couple of weeks before it was released, Mm -hmm. the Jada Watson um, BIPOC episode. And then I also really loved, really, really loved um, Leslie Fram, which Mm -hmm. y'all as listeners just heard last week or the week before. She was incredible. And one of the biggest reasons we're switching up a little bit of our release and the way that we do things is because this isn't a podcast where we come on to talk about pop, uh, you know, pop culture news or somebody who's releasing something. Those are amazing, but it's about getting real and vulnerable and talking about things that are very taboo in this industry. And while there are no shortage of incredible artists and women and people who have those stories, it is sometimes difficult to find people who are willing to talk about that publicly. I'm really just blown away at how incredible these people are for taking the time and sharing their stories. I also, we got a really beautiful email from Rachel Gutman, the entertainment lawyer that we had on, I think episode 12. She just reached out and said, hey, so many creatives, like young creatives have reached out to me for um, legal assistance and help because of that episode and just thanking us. And also I want to pass that along to you listeners. We are so glad that this is making a difference in your lives. We've Mm -hmm. received beautiful emails and messages and all that stuff, but those kinds of things getting passed along to us are really beautiful. Um, And so Mm -hmm. for me, like the BIPOC episode, the the legal episode, Leslie Fram's episode, also Todd Cassidy. Yes. We uh, we need to talk <laughs> about was, this for a I second. I was just going to talk about him. That, it's interesting <laughs> yes. you brought that up because when you were saying that it's difficult for people to be vulnerable, we have found that. We've found that, you know, when you sit down for coffee with somebody and you talk about your journey and the challenges of your journey, they'll share often some really, really difficult private things with Mm -hmm. you. And to invite someone to come on a podcast and then share those things for the whole world to hear, that's a real challenge for people. And some people are more comfortable doing that than others. And I found that it was really inspiring to listen to Todd's episode um, being, I think he was the first man that we included as a podcast guest. It was before Carl, I think, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think we recorded um, it before Carl. Yeah. yeah, because Todd was able to say things and to speak them loudly that yeah. we as women don't want to necessarily say, or we feel like we have to sugarcoat things or shy away from them mm-hmm. or not be quite as angry as we really feel inside. <laughs> and and he just put it out there. He just said it and yeah. he said it on our behalf. And I was like, wow, in listening to that episode, it really made me think about how much easier it was for him to say things that we had been thinking and that we yeah. had sort of danced around. So that, yes, yeah. You hit Did the you nail feel the same? The head. I felt the same exact way, and um, I am so thankful to him. We, I think you texted me right afterwards. Sometimes that'll happen when a, a really good mm-hmm. episode comes. We'll text each other and be like, "Oh my god, thank God yeah. that was amazing." Because <laughs> yeah. sometimes you can see it on the guest's face; they don't realize that it's public until the mic is on and we're recording. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can tell that they haven't really thought, oh, this is going to be out in the world. And then you can, you know, and then it's our job to kind of help them and assure them that, hey, if there's a- anything you're uncomfortable with, you know, like we can talk about it. But um, Todd was just like, I don't care. I'm going to say it. <laughs> he kind of made his career on that, on being super outspoken before it was cool to do so in the mm-hmm. industry, before it was a, a trendy thing that if you didn't jump on the bandwagon, you were kind of like left in the dust. He was doing that in Taylor Swift's early days. He was doing that with his artists years ago. Kaylee Shore, I mean, um, Fight Like a Girl years mm-hmm. ago, before, before girl power was a big thing in this industry. And his biggest thing... F- for us, we talked about right after the episode and when we emailed him as well, um, is just him saying stuff that if we said it, it's true. And we mm-hmm. are saying the same things, but we tend as women, um, and I, I know that from talking to friends of mine that are in other minorities of race and sexuality, etc. it's the same thing for them. When we say it, it's looked at as us being angry or yeah. us being 
ruminating in our distress or Mm -hmm. us, you know, not being team players and just focusing on the negative. But when a man says it who is not part of that minority, it is taken as fact and it is applauded with, oh, oh my God, you're such a champion, which he is. (laughs) But he's also, he he said the same thing. He's not saying anything new. He's saying the exact same thing that women have been saying all along. Yeah, It's just that he's a man, so he doesn't have to worry about the blowback of that. It proves his point that he said on the podcast that until dudes get involved, we're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to shift this dynamic. So um, yeah, just goes to show the power of an ally of the opposite sex when it comes to, you know, changing things. Yes. That was a a great episode. I really enjoyed that episode. (sighs) I also really enjoyed talking to Erin Karpluck um, because she was was so outside what we had talked about before and uh, her, her, her experience as an actress and, and what it's like to navigate things. Um, We talked a lot specifically about nudity. I was like listening to it afterwards. Like we did talk a lot about nudity, but it's fascinating and it's something that we don't Mm -hmm. really have to deal with in other parts of, of the industry. So to hear how she navigates that and the, and the tough situations that she comes up against was fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, And I, I loved her viewpoint on her, the women in her life and career and specifically the way that she and her, her friends in the industry hype each other up Mm -hmm. and and it's not like they're uh, they're in competition in a career sense in general but they're not competing against each other they are oh you would be so good for this role oh wow she's amazing at this i'm we're so happy for her i think that's a really important thing to see or i guess hear played out in a real scenario i know for me the way I learn best is from hearing and seeing other people's stories as a story. For me, that's, um, I've definitely noticed in this podcast, I go off on tangents about stories connecting to my own life. And that for me, I, I've realized is just because that's the way I learn best. And that is oftentimes in a writing session when I'm writing with an artist, when they share something vulnerable and they're not too sure, I find the quickest way to make them feel comfortable is for me to say, oh, I've been through that. Here's my story on that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can run a little long. But for me, I've also recently, just in the last couple weeks, had some young female artists reach out to me on Instagram and say, oh, I listened to the podcast and that story that you shared about this and that was so cool or Victoria's story about this or et cetera, et cetera. And it's so weird for us to sit here and and talk into microphones about ourselves and about the industry (laughs) and postulate. Um, But it really is something that I I wish I had had. I wish Mm -hmm. I'd heard other people's stories. And so to hear Erin talk about the way that she and her friends interact in real time and the way that they deal with that kind of stuff. I know Kelsey Kinsel talked about it a little bit. Brianna Trask on the other end, which was such an interesting thing. But um, mm-hmm. I really loved when when our guests got, got personal and descriptive in the way that they deal with things. I had an experience recently that made me think about that exact thing. Um, I was talking to someone who is a very well-established um, male uh, uh, figurehead in the Nashville music industry. He has run labels. He has run publishing companies. He's he's a big a big wig. He's a honcho. And I was asking him about his journey through music, and he talked about when he first got to Nashville as a young whippersnapper who didn't really know anything. And he said he he was taken under the wing of these two older men who knew their way around the industry and saw something in him and they introduced him to everyone and they and he shadowed with them through their experiences and and they showed him how you negotiate and how you navigate relationships and and he said they taught me how to dress they taught me how to talk I knew nothing and they taught me how to do all this stuff and as I was sitting there listening to him I found myself getting sad and I was like why am I feeling sad and then I realized because I wish that I'd had somebody like that. 
And, you know, when, when I got to Nashville years ago, there were a few women that were doing what I wanted to do, but it was kind of every man for himself. And I was not taken under anyone's wing or taught how to do all these things. And, and I've certainly experienced that along the way with different people. Don't get me wrong. I've been helped. Absolutely. But to have that level of, of guidance from someone who knows their way through is so valuable and so important. And, and I, I found myself thinking, what would this man's life be if he didn't have that? Would he be sitting where he is right now in this big chair in this big office with windows looking all around <laughs> over Music Row? I don't know. And so that's what we need to do for each other as women. And, and I love the fact that I know this came up in, I think it was in Mickey Guyton's episode. We talked about the, the need for uh, women in music or women in entertainment mm-hmm. to do the same thing for each other that black women do for each other, yes. that we are a team, we fight together. And you're seeing it in country music now with yes. black female artists doing that for each other. And what it's doing for them is amazing. You're seeing these opportunities coming uh, mm-hmm. from from one to the next to the next. And they're sharing each other's music and they're sharing each other's platform and publicity. And and it's so powerful to see that happening. So yes. we've got, like we said, you know, we, we've got the, the old boy network going on in, in Nashville. We need the girl network to be doing the same thing. And I think we're seeing that happening now. So it's, that's pretty cool. I think we are too. I think it's happening, sl- sl- I, I want to say slowly but surely, but also so fast. Mm-hmm. Just in the last six months look at all the growth and the change in who we're getting to see um and how things are moving i think it's it's moving slow we were talking about this before the episode a little bit a little slower on the industry side but on the public side and the artist side and the writer side it's really moving fast and it's beautiful to see and that similar thing got brought up in uh, rachel gutman's episode i think she Mm -hmm. said you know we need the the old girls club or the new girls club. that's you know that, she was the one that, that said it that's right that's yeah right. that but but mickey's that's perfect i forgot mm-hmm. that 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 had come up in mickey's episode in mm-hmm. oh my gosh season one now that's crazy yeah. um but it's absolutely true and i was thinking while you were talking about that that's absolutely correct i really wish i would have and we talked about that with leslie fram a little bit at the end of the episode especially when i was starting out in la i really wish i had a woman in the industry who was actively showing herself walking the walk and talking the talk mm-hmm. actively helping other women and people in general but um i think it's really important to not just think about that in terms of the industry side but the interpersonal side and the yeah. networking side that's so important and i know for for me i had more of a mentor and multiple mentors in the industry side which i'm so lucky for usually it's the other way around but i i found myself really struggling to find ways to genuinely connect with creatives and people in the industry Mm -hmm. um in in social settings we talked about it i think a little bit with courtney gregg um about the struggle when you go to to a show or to a, a bar. There's a couple industry bars here around town that people just kind of go to. And I would find myself going, I i don't mind going alone places, but even, even with people I knew sometimes or when I'd meet people there that I knew, really struggling, like no one would introduce me or they'd mm-hmm. see me and not know me and not ask my name or not mm-hmm. be like, Hey, who are you? What's your deal? But they would, they would do that for the men. If they didn't, if they didn't know a guy like, Oh, Hey, this is my buddy. John will say, this is John. He does this. He's so dope. Hey, we should get a beer. Um, or, you know, Hey, have you met blah, blah, blah. They just got hired at this place. Their new song plugger here, publisher here. And I find my, found myself most of the time, just kind of like sitting there fine, trying to scrape up a way to start a conversation or to introduce myself mm-hmm. because no one was like, Oh, Hey, have you met Sarah? Yes. There were a couple wonderful people who did that. But for the most of the time, I, I found that that was the point where I felt most, lost and most unseen and most questioning my my own oh my gosh should I be doing this and then 
you'd go to a session or a meeting and and I would bring someone in that I that had never worked with these people but it's like oh hey blah 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 introduces we grabbed a beer one time now they're best friends and I'm like oh okay cool (laughs) you know you know networking is is a funny thing because it's really I mean just about everything good that happens to you in your career is going to come through somebody that you know and it's that important so it's it's equal in weight to the quality of your craft and it took me a long time to realize that so i think networking is something that makes you feel a little bit awkward a little bit uncomfortable a little bit like an imposter uh it it, everything your self-worth is all wrapped up in it and it wasn't until i learned how to turn it around in my mind and think of it a different way that it began to come more naturally and i instead of thinking of it as sort of this machiavellian evil how can i manipulate this out of this person it's it's really a matter of thinking how can I love this person in front of me right, right now? What can I do to extend love to this person? What do they need? Can I give them something they need? Is it just a kind word? Is it just a connection? Like, Hey, I like your shirt. I like, I like the Ramones too. You know, like, (laughs) is, is it just a, a moment of connection? Is it something that you can give to them in terms of, you know, can can you help them with your platform? Can you help them with your knowledge? Can you help them with your talent? And even when you're dealing with people who you perceive as way up the ladder from you in the industry, that's always what it comes down to, right? Is how can I help this person? How can I help the head of Sony Records who's sitting at this desk across from me? How can I help them? How can I love them through what they're doing right now and give them what they need? And if you're thinking about it in a giving way, then that turns everything around so it doesn't feel like this icky need thing. And, you know, I, I sort of wax poetic about this kind of thing a lot but the older I get the more I realize that's what life is about the stuff that you leave behind the connections that you make with other people that's that's what is still going to be there when you're gone so uh it just becomes more powerful in my mind to think of things that way and to want to do things that way the older I get you know and and you really you get so much out of life when you do that for others so if we can all just do that more if we can think that way more um i think we would all be really amazed at how things come back to us in the most surprising way absolutely that is a beautiful point and i i think that's something that i've honestly in the last year and a half two years that's how my brain switched Mm -hmm. and the immediacy of the the return not only just in the way that I felt I actually felt good about experiences I didn't Mm -hmm. feel drained afterwards but also the immediacy of it it sounds like you did this and and I've tried to do this which is I just became the person that I wish I had had I became the person that was like Hmm. oh we just met but I I takes one to to know one i can see you being so uncomfortable and trying to figure out a way to, mm-hmm. so i'm gonna ask you what your name is i'm gonna introduce you to this person i'm gonna text you and then it started coming back in really beautiful ways and that reminds me i love what you said also about um it doesn't matter how big the person is there's always something that you can give to them you mm-hmm. never start an interaction with what do i need from you or what am i attempting to get from you it's yeah. what can i give you and I love um, Carl Kornmeyer touched on that in um, the episode with Carl and Emma. And I loved what he said about like, you should treat everybody the same. And if someone, no matter how big or small they are, if they expect to be treated better than everybody else, it's kind of a red flag. (laughs) Honestly, the most, the biggest people I've met in this industry have been the nicest, the most down to earth, the most casually dress the most like don't give me any fanfare how how's your day what's your name what do you do um and i think that's a beautiful way to look at networking too because you i don't know about you i don't really get starstruck by like artists or actors i sometimes will get starstruck by writers or industry yes. people that i am like oh i know what you did amazing i'm so impressed i'm so i just yes. i love what you've done um so that's amazing thank you for bringing that up that's i'm completely really starstruck awesome by matresa berg she's the reason why i moved to nashville so really yes i follow her on twitter and occasionally i will tweet back at her but 
And I, I probably at some point I will have the opportunity to write with her. And it's kind of happened pretty closely a couple of times, but I'm also terrified to do it because I would be so in my head. <laughs> but I'd have to go in there and just do the whole, I'm probably going to suck today because you're amazing and I'm freaking out inside and then just write yeah. the song. But <laughs> who knows how? That reminds me of the Busby episode in uh, season one where Riley was talking about how her first, I think it was Riley, her first write with Busby, she was like, I really didn't say much. I didn't contribute much. And I really mm-hmm. felt like I totally blew it. But he saw something in me. I feel like that yes. happens a lot. People yeah. understand, especially when they're at that level. I mean, for uh, Emily Shackleton was one of the very first like massive writers that I met when I first moved to town. I went to the Music Row Awards and I saw her perform every little thing mm-hmm. and we talked a little bit afterwards and I think she I think she dm'd me or something mm-hmm. and was like hey so great getting to talk to you like blah blah and I was like oh my gosh oh my goodness and then like a year or two <laughs> later we're interviewing her and I had a moment in that episode where I was like this is so cool look at what this industry and this career and this life just kind of brings full circle. This yes. is amazing. And she's wonderful. And and I got to, when I was serving, I, you you guys came in with Phil Barton and I was like, oh my oh. gosh, so small world, amazing. Yes. Look at I have another now. little story about that. So yeah. um, when I was, you know, doing my artist thing in Canada and releasing records, uh, there was a year back in 2010 when I, I won Female Artist of the Year and Songwriter of the Year. And it was amazing. It was happened in Edmonton. Uh, and it was just really cool. It's like, you're the toast of the town when that happens, you know? So it's like, you have all this confidence and you're invited to all the parties and everybody's congratulating you and it's so cool. But the industry changes fast and things are fickle and people are fickle. And um, so a few years later, I found myself back in Edmonton at another Country Music Awards, Canadian Country Music Awards. And this time, was not nominated for things and was not winning awards and was and so you know it was kind of in a weird place and I, I had parted ways with my management and my I had a different label and so I was not plugged into a lot of the things that were going on and so I found that the parties were going on without me and I wasn't invited and and you know I was seeing the next generation of people coming up and standing in the spotlight that I had stood in and I remember halfway through the week- weekend, I was there by myself and I texted or I called my husband back here in Nashville. And I remember calling him crying from my hotel room and just saying, I feel like I'm getting old. I feel like I don't matter anymore. I don't want to go to this event and just, you know, schmooze with people. I don't feel like it. And I don't, you know, like yeah. I just, I feel like I'm not the popular kid anymore. And I remember him saying to me, he was like, Vic, you talk all the time about authenticity and and you believe in authenticity in your writing and you believe in authenticity in your relationships. This is a perfect opportunity for you to practice that. So go to the awards and go to the after party and find somebody to have a real conversation with and just see what happens. And I was like, okay you know so I got dressed and instead of rolling up in the limo to the to the party I took took my own taxi you know and went by myself and showed up and I remember I I walked around a little bit in the crowd and then I saw someone from a radio station that I knew that I had visited this lady who was a DJ And I started talking with her and I asked her how she'd been and was asking her about her life. And we ended up sitting down and talking together for like two hours. And then these other women started joining us that were other DJs and they all started sitting down and we were having these really deep conversations. She'd been through some hard things that year and nobody else knew it. And, and we were just talking about, all these things she'd navigated and all the things we'd navigated in life and the challenges we were having in life. And it led to this really deep conversation. And I remember going home after that so fulfilled, so fulfilled and thinking that is what this is about. That is what it's about. It's about true, honest, real connection with other people. And maybe by asking her how she had been and listening, truly listening to the answer. I had given her what she needed that night. And with her talking to me 
and having that deep conversation, she had given me what I needed that night. We'd both loved each other the way that we needed to in order to make, you know, to, to make the magic happen that needs to happen in these situations. And so I just, I don't know, that that's just a moment that came to mind when we're talking about yeah. networking. And everybody's got their own story going on inside yes. them, right? About about how you're perceiving yourself and your insecurities. And, and really, it isn't until we get out of ourselves and start thinking about the other person that we're with, when we put the focus on that, then that's when it really, the fulfillment happens. Absolutely. I love yeah. that story. <laughs> oh, I love that. And it... I think it illustrates perfectly everything about this industry. It really comes back to even though our songs or our movies or our whatever our art is, it's a part of us, but it's always in service of the greater good of other mm -hmm. people. Um, art is meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be therapy, not just for the creator, but for other people. So why shouldn't the industry be the exact same thing? Why shouldn't yeah. it be about giving instead of taking? Because also, you know, you catch a lot more flies with honey than yeah. vinegar, whatever the saying is. Yeah. Um, it, it creates a lot more loyalty and genuine care and connection to be kind than it does to who are you? Why do I want to know you? What can I get from you? Or what mm -hmm. can you give me? Um, I find that those connections are always very short-lived and very volatile and fickle. I haven't had many of them, but I've had friends that had operated in circles that worked like that quite a bit. Um, and it just seems draining it's always there's always mm -hmm. going to be draining parts like there's never no one ever has a career where they haven't had to learn all of these lessons the mm -hmm. hard way um but i think that's such a beautiful story and it reminds me of maggie rose but also kelsey kinsel um and brianna trask i want to mm -hmm. talk about specifically brianna and kelsey at the moment mm -hmm. um, because those were two more of our episodes that were not music related and they i found them so amazing because we recorded them pretty close together and they had very similar mindsets on boundaries and mental health and personal care but they also had very, very different experiences with women in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, and I found Brianna's story so beautiful and heartening and sad in some ways, but truly she was so open from the start. Even when I reached out to her and asked her to do this and just asked for like a bio and a photo, like the normal kind of preliminary stuff that we we ask from our guests so we can put things together. She gave me this really beautiful email description of the outline of her story and her experience in the industry. And and going back to, she's she was very open about not being someone in the public eye, not like having never done a podcast or really an interview mm -hmm. or anything like that. And this this email that she sent me was you know sharing her experience she was like i haven't really had the greatest experience with women in my industry um honestly it's been the men and she she gave some wonderful details and and told her story um and i think she said something along the lines of like i'm not quite sure this is the story that you want to share on your podcast because i don't know if it it kind of supports your theme of female empowerment and mm. i i just told her we're not here to to steer the story. Mm -hmm. We're here to just tell it whatever a person's yeah. story is. And and your story is a lot of women's and a lot of people, periods, story. Mm -hmm. um, and I just remember being so thankful that she was open and honest about that, that we could kind of quell her fears about not, quote unquote, sticking to the script of female empowerment because she does really wonderful job empowering women but she didn't experience that so yeah. i'm curious not having known or met her before we record that episode what were your feelings on that in her story yeah i i really enjoyed hearing her story and i i think there are just so many aspects to what it's like 
being a woman and navigating through life in general and no two journeys are ever the same but there are a lot of consistent themes that we hear across things and hers was one of them so it was yeah that was that was really interesting to me and also the discussions that we had on mental health that tied into these things were pretty powerful too um i love the fact that we can be so open about that now and talk freely about the fact that we're in therapy the fact that we've been depressed you know even contemplated suicide at some point you know some some of our guests have admitted that and and i know many many of us have and it's uh it's just it's empowering to be able to speak it out loud it's empowering for other people to be able to hear it and to know that you're not alone out there and life can just be hard to navigate sometimes it really can and um i i I just think i think the world of these women who are willing to come on this podcast and speak these things out loud and tell their stories because like you said you know there are some people we've had on here who are artists or who are in the public eye actress you know they're used to telling their stories in public or they're used Mm -hmm. to speaking on in an interview or in a podcast but a lot of the people that come on here are not. A lot of the people may not have even discussed these personal stories with anyone outside their their own family or their own yeah. dearest friends. So it's a really big deal for them to come and, and speak these things out loud to the world. I'm really grateful that they do. Me too. And that makes me think of also to, to the point about artists and people, you know, being used to talking about their stories. They also get media training. And that's mm-hmm. another big part mm-hmm. of this. When you get someone from the industry side, an academic, um, someone who is used to being the person that helps and up, uplifts and, and develops the people in the public eye, they it's, it's like they're trying to figure out the best way to tell their story authentically and also protect the things that they're maybe not ready to share. Yeah. And I'm curious to how you feel about the evolution of this podcast for us. Cause I know there have been things that have come up for us that we weren't planning on talking about, not because we were Mm -hmm. trying to hide something, but just because we are very open and vulnerable doesn't mean that we want to talk about every aspect of our life or that we're ready to talk about that. And I remember a couple, you, you've shared some really beautiful and, and tough things and, for me, like some of those things where I know in, in Brianna's episode, um, some body image stuff that I've gone through as a kid. Mm-hmm. I also haven't talked about it much here, but I, I went through a lot of medical issues when I was younger. I also I have pretty bad scoliosis. So that's like a con. I'm always kind of in constant level of pain in some way. I've had a lot of surgeries, a lot of stuff. So a lot of uh, medical things that have contributed to body image. And it was so nice to get to talk to her as someone who helped me accept and love my body unknowingly. Um, And also the talking about, um, I wasn't expecting in that episode when we were talking about the way that her old bosses used to talk to her. I wasn't expecting to really dive into some experiences I had when I was a teenager in LA with people that I worked with that were not the greatest, that were very mentally and emotionally abusive. Um, And it was something that I'm always very open with, especially with the young creators that I work with, because um, I I have shared that story and people and people have come back and told me like, I didn't tell you, but I was in that situation. And what you told me of your situation helped me get out of it. Um, but that really messed me up. And I, I, I hadn't really thought about bringing it up until I did in the moment. And it was like a fly decision. Same thing with Jada's mm-hmm. uh, BIPOC episode. I wasn't planning on diving into my own filipino heritage you can hear it when i'm crying and trying to figure out what to say i love that Um, moment those are some of the most powerful moments in this podcast when um you just sort of you well you, you kind of forget that people are listening yeah and you just talk and and the ebb and flow of natural conversation 
can kind of take you to these places. You know, we, we think of stories, we think of our experiences that we've had. If, if, if you sat down right now and tried to think of them all, you wouldn't be able to. Yeah. But as we're talking, things come up that trigger a memory and then yeah. you can explore that um, in the context of what we're talking about. And I just, I love that. It's so fascinating to me to be yeah. a part of it. That's why I'm grateful to be doing this with so many amazing women and participants in general. So yeah, yeah. but I loved when you, I loved when you talked about that. I thought that was really powerful. So thank you to the audience for being so supportive of us yes. too. And for, for letting us have these moments of vulnerability and, and, uh, and supporting us through it. Cause Absolutely. it is, there are moments when you, you do that. And then afterwards you go, Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't really intend to uh, let the whole world know about yeah. that, but okay, there yeah. it goes. And, um, and because it's, in the context of this beautiful moment of conversation, it just seemed seems right for it to happen. So, yeah. yeah. Were there moments for you that that you, I mean, if you feel comfortable talking yeah. about that you brought up or moments from guests that you were like, oh, I could tell that I don't think they were planning on talking about that. I, I tend to be a pretty wide open book in general. But I think for me, the thing that I struggle with um, more than anything is that I have this little tape playing in my head of what's Nashville going to think? What's the music industry going to think? What you're going to tell them all these little things about you. What are they going to think? Um, so that's what I struggle with more than anything. I, I'm not, I'm not afraid to be, you know, raw and vulnerable and obviously flawed and tell my stories, but but that's where I have like a little big brother watching me on my shoulder, which is, mm. I, w I would love to get that out of there because I, I hate it. I really hate it. <laughs> so didn't realize that it manifested in your mind in that way of mm -hmm. what are they going to think? Because I've, I've had some of those things that are like, oh, should I share this? But I think I'm sometimes too like, yeah, I'm just going to say it, whatever. <laughs> I found myself in a couple of spots where I've, I've said some not so flattering things, not negative things, but just kind of like we all know this is true in front of people that I didn't realize were like the gatekeepers of that. Yes, and, um, right. And I was like, right. oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I stand by it, but yeah. Know. Well, I mean, even even the story I just told in this episode about the my experience at the Country Music Awards, you know, like that is, that was a vulnerable thing. I did not tell anybody that. I told, mm -hmm. my husband knew that. And I will tell people sometimes in a co-writing situation if it comes up where yeah. I don't mind sharing, you know, those insecurities. But it's hard to it's hard to speak your insecurities out to the world when you're in a a, a field that is so much based on the perception of success being yeah. your success. Right. So if people have to think you've got it going on, people have to think that, you know, you're not scared. You're not admitting that you feel insecure, admitting that I felt like I was getting old, that I felt like I was being left behind by the industry, that there was another generation of people, that I wasn't getting invited to the party, that it was all this, you know, like those are, those are hard things to speak out loud, knowing that people are out there gonna, and they're gonna hear them on the other end and, and know that you've got this thing going on inside you. Yeah. Um, but I think we all feel those things and mm -hmm. it's important to share them. Um, and sharing, sharing is power. Speaking is power. It's cathartic. Yeah. It's cathartic to do it. I'm very curious about your feelings, especially having watched this industry in this town evolve so much, um, because it really, I mean, has had these really big bursts of growth and mm -hmm. then it will kind of plateau and then it'll grow. And I think we're in a, a big time of growth right now, but what you were saying about this industry being one of perception. I have had that conversation too many times to count just within the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And it makes me wonder your experiences or thoughts on that because I know <laughs> for me, I've really this past year had the biggest successes of my career. It's been one of the best years of my life. It's also been one of the most difficult, but mm -hmm. in a really rewarding way. And, um, I recently, within the last um, last year, had my first kind of like really bad experience with a creator here in town. And I really struggled and questioned my own instincts and questioned the, thing, the facts, the things that actually happened um, because I was seeing this person be so 
um, on Instagram or publicly so very like it seemed like they had all these things going on and all these people were like, oh my God, like really hyping them up and, and all this stuff. And I'm like, I can't be the only one that had this experience. This is not a singular thing. This felt like something that was like really deeply embedded in the yes. way that this person works. And, um, and I was like, no, I can't be. But I, this is also a town where everyone walks on eggshells a little bit unless you really know somebody because this it's a small town. It's a small industry. Everybody mm -hmm. knows everybody. You never know who knows who or who's really close with somebody. But I do feel very, very strongly about maybe not even with their name, but putting it out there. Hey, if you have an experience with someone or you're wondering if I have anything to share, I will share it. Um, I feel very, especially as a woman and especially in this industry where it's so weird that we like go to random dudes' houses or mm -hmm. random people's houses with roommates at like 3 p.m. or go to a session and you're like, you don't know these people really. Mm -hmm. I feel very strongly, um, and it was a creative issue. It was thankfully nothing more on the negative side that could happen, but um, I I really was struggling because I was like, there, I feel like I'm the only one. And then come to find out, I shared the experience and no no information about who this person could have possibly been. There is nothing. Mm -hmm. that was just the like the bullet points. And a friend of mine was like, I know I know exactly who you're talking about. Oh. And I was like, No, I no. And yeah. they're like, Can I guess? First guess got the name, and then three or four other mm -hmm. people in the room were like, oh my God, I had the same experience. I don't know anyone who wow. hasn't had a, a bad experience with them. And then just the other day I was talking with a, a young artist that I work with and um, and I share kind of what happened. And then I just, I got this gut feeling. I was like, I need to be like, would you, do you have anybody that you are like thinking about working with that you wanna, and I never usually ask that. And they asked and I was like, well, I had this experience with this person. And they were like, oh my God, I was tomorrow going to reach out to them because I'd seen them posted so many places and and on Instagram or whatever, it seemed like they were so good. And, um, and I'm like, please, if you feel like you want to work with them, do it. But that was my experience. And, and mm -hmm. she had just told me about an experience similar that she was really upset about. Um, and that mm -hmm. was a very long way about saying, um, the way that this industry uses perception as a yes. calling card, as a resume is both really helpful and really possibly damaging. And, yes. um, and so I'm curious as to your feelings and experiences and how you've seen that evolve. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of gets to the core of humanity because human beings are just that way they're very they follow the crowd yeah. a lot of the time and you can see it with social media you can see it with television advertising reality shows you know celebrity um it, there is a, a a thing that you do within the industry the same that you do outside the industry in promoting someone you can promote a writer or an artist within the industry by creating a quote unquote buzz about that person. Mm -hmm. It's all about the way you talk about them. You can, and some people do it very well about themselves. Buzz, buzz, buzz. I got this going on. I got that going on. It's the best thing ever. It's amazing. And then everyone that listens to them goes, Ooh, I guess I need to get on this person's <laughs> boat because it's going. So, you know, um, and I, I, I had a lesson in that very early on in this sort of, um, fickleness of how things work because when I had my Sarah Evans hit Saints and Angels it fell during a specific time of year when the uh, songwriter awards the ASCAP country music awards happened right after it had peaked but that song didn't qualify yet for an award so I got an award the second year right so the first year I go to the awards show having already had this hit and I'm schmoozing around and talking to people and shaking hands. And I'm watching people literally shaking my hand and looking, craning their neck to look over my shoulder at the same time to see who else is in the room. <laughs> and because, you know, I wasn't really worth talking to. And 
then the very next year I'm at the same event and this time I'm wearing the little lanyard thing around my neck, the little ribbon that shows that I won an ASCAP award for my song. And I'm shaking hands with the very same people and they're treating me very differently. And they're saying, wow, congratulations on your success. And I'm like, that's really funny because I had the same success last year. And that's when you were looking over my shoulder to see who else was in the room. <laughs> so it's all perception. And I, another story is I heard of, uh, I have a friend who's a songwriter who went to pitch some songs to a major, you know, A&R person at a label. And my friend writes with this huge big name songwriter on occasion. And so he took these songs in to play for this person. And he said to the guy, okay, here, I'll play you my first song. This is one I wrote by myself, plays the song. And the guy goes, yeah, no, I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't think we have anybody for that. What else you got? And then he goes, okay, so I'll play you one that I wrote with Name Drops Big A-List Songwriter. And the guy goes, oh, okay. And so he plays him the song and the guy goes, oh yeah, this is great. Let's put this on hold. I've got, oh, I yeah, we want to cut this for sure. That's a great song. And then my friend goes, to his credit, goes, oh, oh man, I'm so sorry. I really messed up. I thought I had those, those totally mixed up. So that one that you just heard, I wrote by myself. And the first one was the one that I wrote with big A-list songwriter. And the A&R guy goes, let me hear that first one again. I might've missed something. And so he listens to the first song again. And he goes, oh yeah, 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 this is the this is the one that we want. It wasn't, yeah, the second one's not really what we want, but this first one I'll take. And so it's just, you know, there, it, having certain names, having certain perceptions, you really, your material gets considered differently in the business and success begets success begets success, yeah. which is why we have the songwriters who are the core of Music Row, like owning the world in country music right now, because they get so many more opportunities based on the fact that they have a name, a recognizable name, and their songs are listened to differently than the people who whose aren't. And that's just the unfortunate reality of the business. Um, but also it, with regards to what you were talking about, um, and your experience with that one particular person, I've had some really difficult conversations behind the scenes with women who have had things similar to what you were talking about, but they have had, um, there was, there was one woman in particular who was, um, who was sexually abused mm. by a very powerful person, uh, man in the music industry who, a, a very successful mm -hmm. person whose success just kept growing and who everyone seemed to love. And she confided in me, you know, at a time when he had all of this amazing stuff going on and everyone was giving him accolades and singing his praises. She confided in me how she had been crying herself to sleep because she knows this about him. And if, if he's done it to her, he's probably done it to someone else. Mm -hmm. And how many people has he done it to? And, um, and yet, you know, the world is singing his praises and the industry is singing his praises. And that's a little bit of the sort of Harvey Weinstein yeah. thing that went on, right? The powerful people abusing their power. And it, it sort of does explain why it takes so long for people to feel comfortable coming out. I mean, it would really be really hard to yeah. feel like you were the one person coming out against, to say something against someone that everyone seems to love, yeah. someone really powerful. I, I can't imagine what that would feel like. So it, I'm, I'm sure there's more of that than we know that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, I've had similar experiences with people confide in me things like that mm -hmm. and I think it's so hard because you want to you want to do something about it yeah and, and you, you want to scream it and you want to say something about it that this person, and it's not your place yeah I thankfully have not experienced that personally from people but I have experienced a couple of men in the industry that really intentionally walk the line of mm -hmm maybe this is okay, maybe this is not good. Yeah. You know? Women in entertainment, women in Nashville, women all over, we are so wonderfully underestimated in the regard of, like, we talk. And it's not like we're shit-talking yeah. people, but, like, 
because we are so disadvantaged in a lot of ways, we talk, we share information, we tell people, we will reach out to our friends and be like, hey, what have you heard about this person? What have you heard about this, the way that this is going on? Even when it comes to creative stuff, when I I had a couple Mm -hmm. of big possible cuts and I was like, hey, this is kind of seems like a weird situation to me. What do you know about what the normal deal for this should be? Um, We do the same thing with personal aspects of it and I know for me one person who kind of walked the line of being "Mm, that's a little inappropriate when I was like 17 18 Mm -hmm. and he was probably twice my age um years later uh when I was actually living here I had a, a female friend of mine who was a writer hit me up and be like hey, I don't know if you know this person, but like I get a weird vibe and I've heard some kind of like shady things. Um, Do you happen to like have any information? And I was like, from what you've told me, that all sounds pretty accurate, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's not like we're going around talking shit about people, but you will get a reputation sooner or later, um, whether or not, the big gatekeepers and often the men will believe it or care is one thing, but you will get a reputation for yourself one way or another. And I think it's a really good example of what's going on right now with James Franco and Seth Rogen. Yes. Um, We've heard the stories and known about that for years. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have friends when I lived in LA that um, either dated him or people around him or people like him. And we're like, I was hearing stories about this kind of stuff for like a while, you know, um, the predatory mm-hmm. behavior as uh, many people in the industry do, whether it's it's music and stuff. And it's it's been in articles for years and years, if not mm-hmm. over a decade. And just now in a time after, after Me Too, are people going, oh my God. And now Seth Rogen's like, I have no plans to work with him anymore. But it's like, okay, that's, that's great. A tiny step forward, but also there's no way you didn't know about any of this, yeah. especially when you're quoted in magazine articles making jokes about his reputation for doing these kinds of mm. things. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think we're in a really interesting time for how we deal with this. I think, I feel, not to go back to what Todd was saying about don't cap it off with a sugar coat of being like, it's getting better. Um, <laughs> it's there's getting better. <laughs> far too much work to be done to but be I saying that. But I think actually, it is, actually. I think yeah, it is. Yeah, I think we really are taking these things more seriously. And mm-hmm. I was even just re-watching movies from like the early 2000s that I loved as a kid. And I'm like, ooh, this is really problematic. <laughs> I can't believe we ever did Isn't this. Isn't it interesting? <laughs> Isn't it interesting how your perception gets changed and you can look back and see things that you were blind to before. There's so much of that now for me in the past year um, has been an awakening in the past couple years in terms of women's issues and BIPOC issues. Just now I can see so many things that I could not before. And uh, I guess that's what happens when you, you awaken to your your own biases yeah. a little bit and your unconscious biases like uh oh gosh i was listening to uh i went back and listened to the podcast um the the jana kramer mm. podcast episode that mickey guyton was on right after um the killing of george floyd oh. and it was a really interesting episode um but there was a there was a moment in the episode when one of the interviewers says there's not a racist bone in my body there's not a racist bone in my body and he says it over and over and over again and i was thinking the when you're saying that it means that you are blind to -hmm. it because anybody who is looking at their biases and exploring the fact that you have unconscious biases and we know we do you're not going to say that you're not going to say there's not a racist bone in my body because you're like, I'm worried that it's like, my husband said the same thing. He's like, anybody who's saying there's not a racist bone in my body so confidently is not the person who needs to be saying that. (laughs) So um, it's just been very interesting the last few years 
how much my eyes have been open to my own ways of thinking yes. about things and 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 societies of course when you see it in in movies that were just made a few years ago and and television yes. um I, I, and then you know lord help me i go back and watch tv from my childhood and show it you know when i'm showing something to my kids from my childhood and i'll go oh man that's not good how was that okay yeah. you know there are moments in that that i'm like wow that is not cool i i, I want to recommend um there is a study that harvard has yes. done on implicit bias and they have set up a website where you can do a quiz to show whether and how much implicit bias you have. Um, so it's called Project Implicit, and it can be a very eye-opening experience. So I would I would recommend giving it a try. There's lots of different ones that um, that you can try on their site, but uh, you can explore, you know, social attitudes. Um, you can even look at implicit associations about, you know, exercise or alcohol or marijuana, things like that. But the social attitudes one is the, is the one that's really interesting. Um, it's a fan just to, you can, study. you can do a test on skin tone. You can do a test on gen gender and career, transgender, disability, religion, um, age, race, uh, specific races, Arab, Muslim, um, Asian American, um, you can do one on on weight, uh, sexuality. It's it's really interesting. So um, I would really recommend people give that a give that a try and just see. And it can be overwhelming to know that you have biases and to and but recognizing that is the very first step. And then you go through a depression and then you try then you try to start figuring it out. And and that's what we all need to do. So we'll include yeah. a link to that. It's amazing. I suggest if you can taking it on the laptop instead of your phone. I know the first time I took it on the phone things got a little wonky for me and I had to start over. Yeah. But it's incredible. We will include a link to mm -hmm. that. But I think Jada was the one just kind of behind the scenes. Um, she mentioned in passing that in her research, she's noticed that oddly enough, the backlash that statistically she's experienced from all of the various different things that she's um, put out into the world and studied once the BIPOC uh, studies came out and everything started, it, the change moved very quickly. People were very eager to jump on board. And still we have all the same kind of data around women mm -hmm. and the pushback against making any kind of change is the biggest when it comes to women as opposed to creating diversity in mm -hmm. um race and culture and sexual orientation, etc. I, I even have been hit up recently to um, connect people with more LGBT plus creators um, to create diversity. And still, I think it's just worth noting that in this industry, not all diversity is equal, I guess, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. because the industry is a lot more willing and able to accept certain kinds than others. And I think mm -hmm. there's a real danger that we should call out of saying, well, look, we diversified in race. So even though we <laughs> haven't really diversified in gender or sexual yes. orientation or preference, I mean, you can't consider us unwilling to change or the bad guys or whatever because look at our diversity i think it's the same risk that we run um when it comes to race or something as you hear a lot of times people say well oh i can't be racist my best friend's black it's such an interesting thing how we as human beings like to find one reason that we don't have to do the work in all the other areas um yes. so i think it's just worth noting yes. that um that was mm -hmm. an observation made from an academic, uh, scientific, statistical perspective. Important to keep having these conversations, important to, yeah. to keep pressing the issue, important to keep being angry, you know? Yeah. Don't become complacent, 
just because you see shifts happening a little bit in one area, you know, it's, we got to keep the pressure on. We got to keep our foot on the gas with this. And uh, so I'm, I'm grateful to be part of this conversation with you, Sarah. And I'm glad you reached out to me in the first place to, to start this podcast. It's really been sort of a labor of love for both of us yeah. through this time and, um, and, and a lot of work for both of us, but definitely um, something that feels important to do, especially right now. So um, I hope that all the listeners out there will, will continue to listen and support and um, challenge and question and email and uh, just let us know whatever feedback you have, whatever things you hear that resonate with you, things that you wish you would hear more about, uh, people you wish we would talk to, questions you wish we would ask. We'd love to hear all of those things. So please reach out to us. Um, and we'd love to hear from we you. We would love that. And pl- at the risk of sounding too pluggy, please make sure to like, follow, subscribe, review, especially following our Instagram and our Facebook, because like we said, we're going to be changing the way we released episodes. And that's going to be the easiest way to stay up to date with how and when we're releasing. We'll make it a schedule, um, but it's still going to be a little different than what you're used to. So stay up to date there. And like Victoria said, definitely reach out and let us know thoughts and questions. I think maybe this upcoming season we will do a Q&A episode, maybe where we can have yeah. people submit questions via email and Instagram, etc., and answer and... I'm so proud to have this conversation with you, Victoria, and with you, all of our listeners. And we're really excited about sharing what's been happening behind the scenes as we kind of go in this next season and all of the fun things happening that we can't quite share yet. So yeah, we hope you are well. We are so excited to continue having this conversation. And we'll be back soon with season three. Well, we'll see you then. To stay up to date on all things The Table on social media, join us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the handle at sign the table women. Our theme song, Stop You, is written and performed by yours truly, Sarah DeForest, co-written by Taylor Foley and Will Macbeth, and produced by Will Macbeth. And as always, we'll include links to any creatives, music, television, etc. referenced in this episode in the episode notes. We'll see you next time on... The, the table. table. Do what you want, work what you got, say what you think, and don't let them stop you. Stop you, don't, don't let them stop. Stop you, don't, don't let them stop.